right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time that. Right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it, Glenn Cross. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, and I am live from Arlington, Texas. Wait. AT&T Stadium. Where? Some call it Jerry Worlds. Where? Who? Recognize that? Who? The site of the Big 12 Championship. What? Yeah. When? Uh, today. <laughs> and and you're you're thank you for, thank you for you're, you're where? Yeah, I am. I am at the Big 12 Media Days here in Texas. Thank you for ruining the open here. He's oh, Nick Springer. Dude, nice. I'm Derek Johnson. We are going to have a very fun show. Very fun show. We've got a lot of great guests coming on. Um, Voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, will join us later this hour. We got Josh Neighbors, who covers the Big 12, going to talk about the entire conference in football. That'll be at the end of the 4 o'clock hour. We also have three KU football players who are going to do one-on-one interviews with us here, exclusive one-on-one interviews here with RCST. Uh, We're going to have Rich Miller, KU's starting linebacker, one of their captains on the defense. He's going to join us in about 20 minutes from right now. No, I'm I'm sorry. That's going to be at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Uh, Devin Neal, running back, starting running back, all-first team, all-conference, however you want to say the award. He is on uh, our interview docket here for about 20 minutes from right now. And how about this? QB1. Offensive player of the year in the preseason in the Big 12, Jalen Daniels, will join us at 5.05. We also have Lance Leipold Audio. He spoke at the uh, dais, the press conference area. Uh, we have Brett Yormark Audio. We have like an hour of Brett Yormark Audio. He talked for a while, so we won't get to all of it today, but we'll get to some of it today. By the way, I can confirm Brett Yormark is a talk-with-his-hands type person while on the phone. He's on the phone right now. I see him calling people, texting people. He's not a big pacer, though. Not a person. Like, I pace when I'm on the phone. I'm I'm a hand stalker. Not as much with Brett. I'm a a hand stalker, 100%. I am flailing my hands. I'm I'm a hands guy. Okay. So you are are a hands guy. Yeah, when it comes to talking. Yeah, my hands. You know, got to get them warmed up. Got to get them warmed up. Wind them up a little bit and then let them go. Are you a pacer? Do you walk back and forth, though? Uh, no. What I, I am, I'm not a pacer. What I do tend to do though is I'm a, I'm a shuffler. So like I'll be like kind of sh- leaning back and forth on my feet. Like I sway, I sway a lot. That's something that I tried to work on uh, when I took a I took a acting class in high school, and my my teacher told me that I needed to stop swaying so much. So I guess I sway. Okay. You know, like a tree in the breeze, like back you know, when, I'm, when I'm nervous. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, yeah, he's, he's speaking with his hands a lot. Now, as far as, like, things that, you know, he was talking about at the press conference dais uh, earlier today, um, I, I think the one that immediately comes to mind for a lot of people is whenever he talks about, like, expansion, just in general. That's obviously a big thing. Um, and he said, you know, last year... He was talking about the comments when he said, we are open for business. That was obviously one of the biggest comments that was said during any of the media days 
a year ago. He kind of talked about this year and said that, you know, some people took that as he's trying to, like, disrupt things across the college football world. But um, what he was basically saying is that that means they're trying to be open for diversity and, and some different things that they could possibly do as a conference and that they weren't being rigid or structured, that they were trying to be open to doing new things. And that, you know, they're basically a lot of the comments that we heard give the theme of doing just that. We heard him talk about mentioning a number of 14, that he likes the number being there. And obviously with Texas and Oklahoma leaving, that would leave you in a situation where, yeah, you do have to add two more. He also, though, said that if we stay at 12 or perfectly fine he said that we have a plan for expansion but not stay going 14. to share we're, that we're at so, 14 now stay at 14 yeah you said you said 12 oh whatever so um <laughs> yeah he, no he basically said that they're cool going to 14 but they're also staying at 12 would be fine that's that's what he said um so it was a little bit of both so you kind of got a little bit of everything here from some of these questions and i guess it basically just means that nothing is certain and everything is possible is that basically the best way to sum that up yeah i mean some of the stuff that he said and we'll get to the audio like you said is i I, okay the big thing is number one why does he want to why what's his big deal with gen z why does he want to always bring up gen z what's up with that uh i don't know is he jealous that he's not gen z i i don't know i I don't i didn't understand that at all he brought it up like three times he was like we want to appeal to gen z you know whatever First of all, I'm 25. Am I Gen Z? Uh, you might right be on the borderline. That's tough. So is he trying to appeal to me? I guess. Yeah. So <laughs> do you feel appealed to? Uh, I I don't I don't know. I guess. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how to feel to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't okay. know. Uh, yeah, and then the other the other thing that I'm curious, Derek, if you noticed anything while while being there was. It seemed like uh, when he was talking about conference tournament sites, there was a bit of uh, ruffling of feathers because he, at one point, he was like, he specifically said, I want to keep conference tournaments at their current sites. And then he was like, it's important for football, national, for a football, Big 12 championship to stay, and then baseball and softball. And he didn't say anything about basketball. Now, later on, somebody asked him specifically, and he kind of covered his tracks and was like, Oh, I loved Kansas City. Blah blah blah. Whatever. Is are you concerned at all about uh, about Brett uh, taking basketball, taking the basketball tournament away from Kansas City? Um. Or did you notice I mean, anybody? That's been just kind of a long term yeah, concern notice, in general. But say, I'll be honest. Like that second concern? answer that you were talking about, he gave such a glowing review of Kansas City and that he wasn't totally sure what was going to happen and when he saw the Big 12 tournament and saw the energy and the environment and you know power and light and in the arena and everything obviously didn't hurt that Kansas made a run to the championship so they had you know good attendance for all those games in the Big 12 championship even though it didn't go well in the championship um to where it did seem like to me it did leave a good impression to where like I wouldn't be surprised if you know, you got him on a lie detector test like two months ago or, I don't know, whatever before the Big 12 tournament. So three months ago, four months ago, whenever that is. Uh, time is a flat circle. Anyway, um, and you asked him, are you considering moving the Big 12 tournament? Do you want to go to some other spots? Do you want to rotate? If, honestly, he would say yes, but maybe after seeing it, and talking to some of the ADs and hearing about past stories about when it was in Dallas and Oklahoma City, that it didn't turn out as well, that the attendance wasn't as good, that all those types of things, to where I do actually kind of buy that 
they are trying to extend it and they want to keep it in Kansas City. Mm, okay, because he didn't say that specifically at first when he was just talking about him generally. Somebody actually had to ask him about it. And then, you know, maybe what if all that stuff about Kansas City was just a lie? Though? What if he actually does think they want to, you know, change the sites potentially? Yeah, no, it's a good question. And honestly, that could be almost like a bit. What if there are two versions of Brett Yormark? Because think about it. This goes back to the expansion comments that I just made, that he originally mentioned 14 would be great for strengths and numbers, but they're not chasing numbers. And then he later walked that back and said, but we're fine being at 12. So which Brett Yormark do you think is the the more uh fourth telling well, one? Is it the first comment, Brett Yormark, or the second comment one? I get the sense that... Brett Yormark at the beginning of his or earlier on in his tenure as commissioner was like, oh, I can just say whatever I want. Nobody. I mean, 14, 16. Oh, we're going to move the we're going to we're going to play in Germany. We're going to play in wherever. I feel like early on in his tenure, he was like, oh, I'm going to say whatever I want. Nobody cares. And now he's realizing that when he says stuff, people are actually like, wait a second. So now he's like trying to be like, well, actually, you know, I'm not I, I feel like he I feel like he was trying to give off uh, a bit more of a pragmatic uh, appearance based on today's what we heard from today because in the past you know we've had these discussions in the past it would seem like Brett Yormark is just he's just his hair is on fire just any idea that comes to him he's like genius whatever let's do it it feel it felt to me as though he was maybe trying to tone that part down a little bit today with what he was saying where he was trying to not he was he it seemed like he was trying specifically to not say anything that would like be really 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 eye catching in terms of like we're going to play in germany we're going to play on the moon we're going to do whatever like you know that kind of stuff felt like he was trying to tone that down a little bit today did i miss an opportunity should i should i have asked him if there was an opportunity to play on the moon would you do it oh that's that you missed it on a big opportunity because i would yes 100% let's 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 get it on the moon why not i mean dude Think about the moon, okay? There's no, there's like no gravity, so you would just have infinite dunks. Anybody could dunk. You could do whatever you want. It would be, it would be insane. It'd be chaos, but it'd be awesome. So you know what's interesting? I was actually talking to somebody here about the uh, the Mexico City stuff and the game with KU, and I've 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 learned this uh, I don't know interesting tidbit that do with it what you want. Apparently BYU has a gigantic fan base in Mexico City. Really. Huh. Yeah, I didn't know think that. that, right? So I guess I, I don't know. Maybe maybe they do a football game with BYU well, then, in Mexico City. If that's City. the case, why didn't they just do BYU in Kansas or BYU and somebody else? Well, that's that's what I said. Like, why not do BYU in Houston? And they said, <laughs> I think they're saving them for a football game in Mexico City. Oh, I see. I see. Because the KU Houston is only basketball. Yeah, correct. Hmm. Yeah, so, uh, I don't know, kind of interesting. That is, that is interesting. That is interesting. Yeah, what what were your impressions of the new members? Um, well, we haven't seen all of them. Obviously, there's only half the teams here today, half the teams here tomorrow. I'm trying to think. I did get to see the uh, new BYU mascot. Looked as athletic as you'd think, as you see from some of the, uh, the videos. I saw the... Oh, uh, which one was? Oh, it was the BYU mascot was getting into like a fight with the Oklahoma mascot. So I think there's already oh. bad blood. Um, outside of that, I don't have much to report. Oh, okay. I can tell you there's a cornhole set up behind the dais. Um, I haven't seen anybody throw any, but I will report more if I see any. Okay, that was the one thing actually that I didn't want to bring up with Brett Yormark. 
we'll get to his audio. He opened it by saying we're going to celebrate Texas and Oklahoma. Who's we? I ain't celebrating anything. No, I'm not celebrating Texas and Oklahoma. They can, they, they, I don't care if the door hits them in the butt as, they, as they're out. I don't care. I don't, nobody's celebrating Oklahoma so, or Texas. So, Brett, you're wrong about that one. By the way, uh, I, have a, I have a fun little game for you. I okay. see a player in front of me doing an interview. He's okay. wearing, like, washed-out jeans with a big belt buckle and a very clear can of either, you know, tobacco or, you know, one of the, like, tobacco substitutes that's outlined in his jeans. Would you <laughs> like to take a guess what school that player plays for? Um... Uh, I will go with Texas Tech. Mm, you're close. It, it is Quinn Ewers of Texas. Ah, ah, well, man. Like, does that give you more confidence as uh, a quarterback? It kind of gives me less confidence, actually. Because, I mean, <laughs> dude, what, like, what are we doing? First of all, I feel like the biggest story of the day has got to be Jalen Daniels' chain situation, right? Yeah. Yeah, I got to see it up close and personal. It literally has highlights going on on the Apple yeah. Watch chain. It is yeah. awesome. For those that haven't seen it yet, it's it's a it's a necklace. I, necklace is that right? Yeah, it's a necklace chain, chain and uh, it's like a yeah, it's like an Apple Watch looking thing, and it has his logo on it, and then it has literally like a PowerPoint style highlight reel on the display screen of all of his highlights, and it just like it just cycles through them. Yeah. No, it's, it's very cool. Uh, we'll have the interview with Jalen at 5.05. Um, so we'll, we'll actually talk to him about what he's wearing, and he'll give us info on how exactly the outfit came about. So looking forward to that. A couple other noteworthy comments from today. The Big 12 said they're going to have a halftime show performer. I don't know if that was – I didn't hear the full context, if it was between every game or just the Big 12 championship. But who would you like to be the halftime show performer? I would want – um, I don't know. I, you know, I don't really. Honestly, I, I kind of like the idea of keeping this. And this may be a hot take. People may disagree with me on this. I like the idea of at the at the each home team stadium of keeping it as like the band. I think that I think that adds to the atmosphere of college football having the band. Now, if it's the Big Twelve championship game. That may be a little different, and then maybe I don't know. I'd be fine with something. So, sorry, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I might. I mean, I, yeah, I, I like the idea of keeping the college bands at the home stadiums because I think it adds to the college atmosphere of college football. But for the Big Twelve championship game specifically, uh, I don't know. I don't know. The thing is, it's like I kind of like a lot of bands that are old, but I don't want to see them. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I guess there's a couple demographics you could go after here. Do you like? Well, hey, we're, hey play we are no, 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 no. We are all about Gen Z. Only Gen Z. That's true. So, what's a good Gen Z? Wait, artist? so who's the most popular Gen Z artist? Uh, I don't know. Olivia Rodrigo. Is that one? Maybe. I just typed in on Google most popular <laughs> Gen Z artists, and I don't recognize a single one of these. Am I old? Oh boy, you might be. Yeah. Can I read them to you? Let sure, it, why not? All right. Glaive. Who? Dreamer Isioma. Who? And Hypen. <laughs> Ella Jane. Real. These are not real. Sarah K- K's. Keenan T. Sarah Kinsley. Haley Joel. 
Clinton Kane. I don't recognize did a you, single person. Did you Google the right thing? I typed in most popular Gen Z artists. I, I don't like know. Is it like all TikTokers or something? I have no idea, honestly. I have no idea. Yeah, I'm <laughs> actually, either, so. I actually am surprised that Brett Yormark did not make any announcement about the Big 12, like, doing anything with TikTok. Because I thought, I figured if his mm. whole thing is Gen Z, he would want to do something like that. But he didn't say anything. That's so true. I, I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, the last big thing that I wanted to make no sh- uh, mention of, I guess, Brett Yormark mentioned having consistent Friday night conference games. Thoughts? Yeah, and somebody asked him about it, which we'll we'll get to that audio probably tomorrow, I think, when we did the Q and A. Uh, and I, the he kind of dodged the question. Really, he was basically like, "Yeah, uh, you know, we'll, we we consult with the athletic directors, yada yada yada, whatever." But I was surprised that there was no mention of like high school football on Friday nights in consideration, because like especially in Texas. Like, imagine right. if you want to make, like, Texas and TCU play on a Friday night. Like, that doesn't feel like that would work at all. Uh, you know, and obviously we have our own personal gripes with Kansas and what they've done this upcoming season by putting two of their games on Friday nights, which kind of messes up high school coverage for us locally. But, yeah, I'm surprised that that's not – I'm surprised that – and maybe it will be at some point, but I was surprised that that wasn't raised as more of an issue because you would think, like, especially in Texas where high school football is so big that they would – those schools, which I guess Texas is leaving the Big 12, but you still have TCU, you still have Texas Tech, you know, that, and Baylor. You would figure that those schools would want to protect Friday night. I mean, I don't know, maybe not. Maybe they don't really care. I don't know. But I just, I, I mean, I think the big issue with that, with that though, is like if TCU is going to play a home game on a Friday night, you is their attendance, you would, you would think their attendance would be affected if, if there's a bunch of big high school football games going on around the area, right? Oh, I'd imagine it's it's not just the high school thing, but it's you know if your game is at seven o'clock, say on a Friday, you know if you're working till five or six o'clock, if you're a TCU fan and you have to get off work and then head to the stadium, you're not going to be able to tailgate. Now you're, you know, yeah, you and now have you're, time to, you're asking yeah. fans to travel, you know, or make the difficult, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, not a huge fan overall, but um, we'll see how often it affects. Like, is it just going to be? The month of October, there's Friday night games, and your team might only get picked for one Friday night game every other year or something. I I don't know how often it'll be, so that's kind of a remain-to-be-seen, like, TBD type of thing. All right, we're going to take a timeout, though. We have uh, a player interview one-on-one with Devin Neal, all-conference running back for KU, joined us, and uh, we'll share that with you on the other side. Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, will join us after that. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, and we're joined by... A local Lawrence native, Devin Neal, starting running back, all Big 12 first team. I guess first things first on the uh, the preseason awards. What does that mean to you? Is that just something you kind of move past because it's preseason, or is it a really cool honor? I mean, it's a cool honor for sure. You know, it just represents the amount of work that, you know, I put in and, then, you know, that everyone along the way that's helped me get to this point. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I still have to go out there and earn it, you know, and that's what's the cool beauty about it as well. So, you know, not necessarily throwing it away, but, you know, kind of at the same time. I don't mean to, to put you in a corner here on this answer, so I apologize if that's how this is coming across. But um, have you thought about 
at all. This could be your last year at Kansas. That, that you could be in the NFL in you know whatever that would be a year and a half from now. I mean, no doubt. I mean, who doesn't dream or dream and think about you know like opportunity, you know? And, um, but you know, I'm just trying not to think too far ahead. You know, focusing on the season. You know, at the end of the day, I still have to perform. We have to perform as a team. And, um, then you know, maybe that can become further. As of right now, I'm not really looking to. I feel like a favorite fan question is who added the most weight, who added most speed and stuff in the offseason. Well, what's your, what's your playing weight and, and that sort of thing? Any big improvements or changes from, yeah, from years mean, past? This year I'm just consistently 215 so far, so you know, definitely a little heavier now. And, what know, have you been at in the past? Like 205? 210, 210. Really, yeah, 210. Kind of inconsistently 210, I would say. But, um, yeah, so definitely put on more weight, you know, building more strength, building more speed. And, yeah, it's exciting. Obviously, so Was that fun? Putting on more weight, just getting to eat a lot of good food. Yeah, I mean, eating the right food. Yeah, really, really what's better. You know, just focusing on not eating the fattier food. Really honing in on my diet too. So. Okay. Do you have a favorite food to eat during that? Um, I mean, stuff starts getting repetitive. I guess I eat a lot of rice and chicken. So. Yeah. No, I would probably say that's up there, but yeah, I mean, I, I like to dabble around with, you know, cooking different stuff too, you know, the nutrition is help us, all that stuff too. So. Who's a running back uh, kind of in the room with you that, that's going to surprise us this year with what they're going to bring to the table? Um, I mean, I, there's no surprise about Daniel, but I'm I'm, I'm probably going to say Sevy, you know, and Dylan, honestly, both those guys. You know, they put in a lot of work, you know, they're going to be great assets to us. they got a lot of versatility, so it's going to be exciting to see what they do. Sure. What's the key for you this year? Is there, is there going to be anything different in terms of usage from years past? Is it just... I don't know, just trying to stay fresh through the season. What's the biggest key for you in, in having the year you want to have? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest key is just to stay healthy, you know, and I think, you know, not playing baseball this year has helped. Um, just staying in the training room, you know, building a kind of a stronger foundation going into the season, not being so worn out. Um, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to feel great, you know, just focusing in on, you know, more details, the stuff that I know is weaker on my body necessarily, but um, I can focus on getting stronger. Do you miss anything most with not playing baseball? I would probably just say hitting. Everything else probably not so much, but, you know, especially watching, like, the Caldwell series, you know, just, that's always a dream atmosphere for me, too, just, you know, as I've always been playing on that stage, so. Um, definitely just I guess maybe, you know, maybe this next year they make it. You can plead a Dan Fitzgerald day. I can come in pinch run or something <laughs> like that. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Whatever happens. Uh, do, do you feel like for the newcomers that come on, because you're from Lawrence, you know the area, you know all the good places to eat, that sort of stuff, do you feel do you take on an extra responsibility for, for the newcomers to come along and, and help them out? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's always fun in games, but, you know, I always look to help those guys out, you know, especially because I know what it was like to transition, even though I was still in the same town, you know, it's even harder for those guys coming from a whole different state, you know, so I try to help out as much as I can, you know, make it comfortable for those guys. Uh, 20 years from now, done with your football career, you had a long NFL career, doing all the things you wanted to do, what do you see yourself doing? You know, I actually kind of want to open up my own gym and train athletes, you know, I've always kind of had a passion about that. I think we've talked to you in the past and you've mentioned that you like doing art, that you like like drawing yeah. and stuff like that. Are you still doing a lot of that? Yeah, I mean, I, I do that. I do a lot more computer stuff now when I'm ever, whenever I'm bored. So, um, yeah, it's I like just, Photoshop and not necessarily graphic Photoshop, stuff. But yeah, yeah, but more like Illustrator and stuff like that, graphic stuff. Very cool. Um, and if you had to pick a favorite either album, movie, or TV show, what would you go with? Uh, if I was 
probably movie, I'd probably say Trade Zone. Okay. That's a good one. Denzel. Classic Denzel, yeah. Yeah. And you said TV show? Yeah. Breaking Bad. Okay. Did you watch Better Call Saul? I, I started getting into it recently. Okay. I need to just, like, go all in on it. All right, we need to check back later, see which one you yeah. like better. Yeah, I do. And then you said album? Mm-hmm. I don't have a specific album from him, but my favorite artist is Future. Okay. So, I mean, I would probably say majority of any of Okay. Okay. We actually, on our show, did a Breaking Bad draft of basketball players. Yes, we made basketball teams. I had Mike Ehrmantraut as my center. Nick, I don't know if you're back there. Who did you have on your team that was notable? I had Huel as my uh, as my center. Say that one more time. I had Huel as my center. Okay, he had Huel as his center. Who do you think is winning that matchup? The, the big bodyguard for for Saul in Breaking Bad. I'm going. Oh man. I thought Mike would win with the uh, the craftiness and stuff. Um, so, I, <laughs> all right, I guess, uh, yeah, there we go. Well, that's all I got for you, man. I appreciate you coming on and, and joining us here. We're looking forward to seeing what you can do this year. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you, man. All right, that was Devin Neal, star running back for the Kansas football team, joining us here. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, and KLWN app. And on it. Welcome back in. Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Nick Springer back in studio. Derek Johnson here at AT&T Stadium in Dallas for Big 12 Media Days. we got the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, joining us here now. Um, so, so, Brian, I guess uh, you've been here a lot more than I have. You're the seasoned veteran in all this. Um, what does this one feel different, though, about the past ones that you've been to? I don't, I don't know if you went to some of the ones during the Mangino heydays, but does this one feel any different than those? It feels so much different. And uh, David Lawrence and I have talked about this, not reminiscing in a positive light, but maybe painting a picture of just how fortunate we feel all these years later. I mean, there, there were years, I think back, and I don't want to spotlight certain individual athletes, but you'd watch our guys walk down the aisle. They used to have these at a, at a hotel. It was the Omni in downtown Dallas. And they had kind of an entryway. And you'd watch our guys walk in, and they just didn't look like the Texas or the Oklahoma guys. Texas would come in, and then you got these four strapping, broad-shouldered guys that are all 6'5", 320, chiseled, barrel-chested, all that. And then here would come Kansas down the same aisle, and, and we just didn't look the part. And, and David Lawrence and I have, have kind of documented when that started to shift and when you started to feel like, hey, our guys measure up, and suddenly our guys are in demand. This year, I, I can't think of a guy that's been more sought after to talk to by any media member than Jalen Daniels, and rightfully so when you're the preseason offensive player of the year. But our guys not only look the part, they've clearly got the wins under their belt going to a bowl season a year ago with the six victories, and the expectation is to take that two or three notches even higher in 2023. So it's a completely different feel, both with the way they look, the way they carry themselves, and with the proof in the pudding now that they can sustain this success. Only once in our history have we ever had back-to-back -back bowl seasons. If that doesn't happen in 2023, it will feel like a big letdown because that's how high they set their expectations this year. And if you talk to JD, and I know you have today, if you talk to Devin Neal, they all expect today to be the first of two trips to Jerry World at AT&T Stadium. They want to come back for the Big 12 title game, and that might seem pie in the sky to some. It does not seem that way to our players. That is absolutely their expectation. Yeah, I mean, to have that belief, and, and I think something that maybe is holding people back, because 
If you just put the blindfold on Kansas and you said this team won six games last year, have the quarterback back who's being seen as the best player in the conference, basically, or at least on the offensive side of the ball. If your coach, if both coordinators back, I think we discussed earlier on the show uh, a few weeks ago that they're one of three other teams, Texas, Kansas State, Oklahoma, who are being picked top three to return quarterback, head coach, offense coordinator, defense coordinator. They have, you know, basically 10 starters back on offense, all these players back. If you put the blindfold on, of course you'd think that team. I mean, look at Oklahoma. They're being picked as top three team. They won six games as well. I don't know what it is. Is it because there's the Kansas name? Is it because there hasn't been the long-term earned trust, which I get that from a national perspective? Or is it, you know, something to do with the defense? Is it something to do with, um, I, I don't know what it is. Is it the schedule? Is it because you're looking at everybody on there and it's like, well, that's a coin flip game. That's a coin flip game. But there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic that, yeah, why can't this be a nine or 10 win team? You know, if you have all those things back, like a lot of other teams would kind of expect. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head on three or four of those examples. And I think it's a combination of all of those things, starting with the fact that we just haven't sustained success in the past. But when you extend your head coach and you extend your offensive coordinator five years, when you have the coaching continuity at every position group coming back, We've not had that in 20 years at KU football. We have that now. So it's the same voice atop each position group meeting in each respective room. And then you add in Sean Snyder to, to bring in great special teams expertise on top of that. This is a, a advanced, you know, offensive approach. Uh, I'm sorry, coaching approach, I should say, that uh, is the type of returning continuity we just haven't had the chance to see at KU. And so, yes, the, the player personnel continuity is great, but I think it starts with the return and the consistency in those voices leading this program that to me is why i'm so bullish on their chances to repeat but i think in the eyes of most outside of lawrence and outside of the conference they think well how much of that was a flash in the pan where you caught fire or lightning in a bottle at the start of the year you're going to have to prove that you can continue to win the close ones you're going to have to prove you can continue to win on the road which for over a decade was a real struggle for this program but the last couple of seasons under lance leipold whether it was the win in austin the near win at tcu the conference opening road win at West Virginia or Houston, who's now a league member the very next week, they've shown they're not phased going away from home. And so I think that's going to be key as well. But I have every expectation that this is a bowl team and a significantly better bowl team. And by that, I mean more wins in the regular season, higher profile game. And uh, of course, a, a big factor in all of that is health. But one reason to think that they can weather some storms is this is a much deeper team, particularly in the trenches than what we saw a year ago. And that should make fans very excited as well. To your point, the road thing. Last time they won two Big 12 road games. Now, I guess technically last year they did because the Houston won now. Um, it was the Orange Bowl season. So, you know, they've had the one before, but can you get that done on the road? If you could guarantee one win this year for KU, what would you take? Would you take like maybe the Illinois game early in the year to get that momentum? Would you take Texas or Oklahoma last year in the conference, last year you get to play? I, I don't know. How would you approach that? Would you go for the most memorable game or, or the game that you think would maybe have the best season at Kansas State, right? Well, that was the one my mind yeah. went to, and I thought, no, don't say that. That becomes, you know, tweetable or whatever. But th that's the one that... I, I don't think, you know, from a negative perspective, it's just you haven't beat them in a while, right? I'm not guaranteeing that. As the no, 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 I'm, I'm saying if you could guarantee oh. one win. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying you have to you have to put up uh, some bulletin board material. I'm saying no. if you could guarantee if I, a win. If yeah. I could pick the game that I want yes. to win the most. Yes, you're guaranteeing 100% chance they win the game. Absolutely, yeah. because, uh, you know, that's the game, and in, in talking with several folks from a national media perspective today, 
the next step for Kansas isn't just back-to-back -back bowl seasons, but it's it's showing that you can win in that rivalry and you can shift the balance of power a little bit. Now, I understand the, the field that we're sitting on right now, K-State just won the Big 12 title a year ago. So one regular season win does not completely shift the balance of power, but it's time. It's been time for a while. And I, I think Kansas has a great shot with everything we bring back and the confidence that exists in this locker room that this is our year. And so if you let me pick the game I want to win the most, it's that one. Because I think much like the ascension of Mark Mangino and the arrival of his program, it started with knocking off K-State and then things really started to snowball after that. I think it's, it's time for Kansas to make that happen in 2023. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, when you look around the conference, what sticks out to you from some of these other teams that are here? Are, are you into the Texas is back hype, I guess? <laughs> Everybody else seems to be. Yeah. Uh, Sarkeesian was just at the podium moments ago when we started this interview, so I didn't get a chance to hear much of what he had to say. And obviously he lost two NFL running backs, but at Texas you got three more five stars on the shelves who just kind of plug and play. So I'll be interested to see. But, you know, uh, I think it's, it's impressive when you've got – a conference that 80% of the schools were bowl eligible a year ago, and then you bring in four programs that will compete to be that this year as well. Uh, you're not going to be able to have 80% of 14 teams be bowl eligible, but the point is that there's not an easy game on the schedule at all, and, and that's the way it should be. And Kansas is a big reason why. When what was perceived to be for a decade as the lowest rung on the ladder, the old adage, you're only as strong as your weakest link. Well, Kansas clearly is not the weakest link any longer, but when that previous week link makes a leap as high as Kansas has made toward the middle of the pack now, that really speaks to the depth and breadth of this league and the level of competitiveness. And so even though we say it most years and we always say it during basketball season that anybody can be had on any given night, that wasn't always true in football. Now it is. Any Saturday, regardless of venue, the home team can get beaten. And I know West Virginia's a little bit down, but I look at the rest of this conference and I think, wow, like every Saturday, it's buckle up, get ready, and get excited to see some some high-flying, high-scoring, back and forth, who's got the ball last football, and don't be surprised by anything. That's the way I look at 2023 yeah. in the Big 12. I think that that plays both ways when you're looking at the schedule because it is very difficult, and to that point, every game you look at on KU football schedule is like, yeah, that is kind of a coin flip. That could be a close game. But the flip side to it is even though you look on paper and you say, I think they're playing six of the top seven in the predicted Big 12, and you know they have all these teams near the top, any of those could easily be eight and four, nine and three type teams. Any of those could easily be four and eight type teams because of the nature of the conference to where, you know, on one hand, that does make for a very difficult schedule where every game could be one that you win or lose. But on the other side, you know, some of the games that we are looking at right now and thinking, man, I don't know how they're going to win that game, or that's going to be an uphill battle, or that's going to be a tough game, might end up being a game where they're the better team, they, you know, where, where they do end up playing a 5-7 and seven team that we thought would win eight games, right? And what I love is previous years when you got that schedule out, there were at least three games where you felt like you had no chance, and you feel like you have a legitimate chance in all 12 games regardless of venue with this team. But I think that what has me maybe most excited, when you think about coin flip games, and so many of these being a 50-50 type game, what wins in coin flip games? Great coaching. We got that. Check. Great quarterback play. We might have the best in the league at that. Check. Teams that don't self-destruct and shoot themselves in the foot. Teams that minimize mistakes. We've got that. And then obviously great defensive teams. I don't know if we have that. But we're hopeful that we see big strides made on that side of the ball to where we can call them a very good defensive team. To make the leap to great is a big leap. But I have a lot of confidence that Brian Borland's group is going to make a big jump this year. But that's, to me, what remains to be seen the most. This could be the most exciting team in the Big 12 and one of the top 
three or four most exciting teams in college football when you talk about an offense that should score 40 points a game and have a Heisman Trophy contender at quarterback. That right there is worth the price of admission, all right? How good will the defense be, though? And will you need all 40 of those points per game to win? If the defense can prove that it can take tangible, sizable steps from what we saw last season, and obviously you're going to replace some big shoes with Lonnie Phelps off the edge, but I like what you bring back at defensive tackle, linebacker, and especially in the secondary. I think they got a great shot to be a very solid unit on that side of the ball. And if so, then a lot of those coin flip games, you're checking all the boxes you need to to win those neck and neck nail biters. And if that's the case, this is an eight or nine win team. I'll add something else that, that can't hurt in those close games. How about Seth Keller coming in as the kicker? I guess we don't totally know for sure if he's going to win the competition. ONP. Would you like to, we refer to him as ONP because we're just afraid we're going to butcher his last name. Would you like to give us the broadcast last name on ONP? Peeper Gertis, and and it is hard to say, yes. and it's said about four different ways, but that's the way I was told to say okay. it at the end of last year. If you had stable kicking and reliable kicking, that is a major leg up. So we'll see what that camp battle ends up proving to be. But uh, that's clearly an area, special teams as a whole, is an area that we could improve leaps and bounds. And that's where you hope that Sean Snyder's presence helps a ton in, in terms of the expertise he brings to those meetings. So, yeah, I think you know if, if you look at obvious places where we could make a huge, noticeable, tangible leap and improvement from one year to the next, it might be a special teams. Whether it's an extra you know, 30-yard swing and field position in a given game, an extra takeaway every other week that comes in that side of the ball, or just hitting the field goals you need to make, and that can make a world of difference if 10 of your 12 games are decided by seven points or less. Yeah. Um, you know, it feels like everybody always has a guy when you're heading into the preseason and hope is a pound and, and you never know who's going to play the most or who's going to play the Everybody has a guy who maybe is a little more under the radar, right? You're non-Jalen Daniels, Devin Neal. Maybe they were a starter, maybe they're not. Do you have a guy headed into 2023? Not yet. Give me the first two weeks of camp to watch some of these young guys breaking in. Of what I saw in the spring, a guy that is really motivated because he would have to, on some level, feel a little bit forgotten about because of the hip injury and how long he had to sit out. But I think Daniel Hyshaw, I think he's breathing fire. I, I think he is ready I feel to like come that's out. That's a good Brandon McAnderson answer, too. Yes. He's always loved Hyshaw's oh, game. Oh, for sure. And, you know, we just talked about. Uh, Bijan and Noshan that they just lost from Texas. I mean, Kansas could have a similar two-headed attack, two-headed monster there. And even though we're all about real deal Devin Neal as Lorenzians and we love him and he's going to play on Sundays and all that, I think he's got a great run and make, make back there that wants us to remember the run versus Duke and wants us to remember some of the huge highlights he had, the 30-yard touchdown at West Virginia before going out. And so, uh, of the returnees, that's a guy that I think gets slept on a little bit. But let me watch these young guys the first couple weeks of August and then we'll report back. Okay. Um, obviously so you've seen what Jalen Daniels is wearing today. You're dressed up very nicely, but oh, I mean, Jalen is is taking this to another level. I, I can't remember exactly. I could have sworn he took Big 12 Media Days by storm last year too with what he was wearing. Yeah. I don't remember, but I, I it was something nice. It wasn't this fancy though. I'll have to go back and, and look to see what he was wearing. What do you think of, of his garb today? Do you think you could pull it off individually? Well, I left my personal diamond encrusted Apple Watch with highlight reel calls. <laughs> I left that at home on the dresser. Man, mine's in the car. It's a good yeah. thing I did because that would have been awkward if we both had one right. on, right? No, in all seriousness, he had his buddy in LA design that for him, a guy that owns a jewelry shop out there. And it's 90 seconds of the best highlights. And I, I want to see what his necklace looks like next year because above that highlight reel monitor is the Heisman Trophy logo mm -hmm. with JD6 
does his necklace next year have him holding the Heisman Trophy logo? Wouldn't that be amazing? Obviously, we haven't had a Heisman finalist since David Jane, so to, to put him in that list would obviously be asking a lot, but that's clearly something he set his eyes on, and I think he's got a very realistic chance. I'm scrolling through my pictures from one year ago today, and I have found Jalen Daniels. Right. It was a blue suit with uh, a very vibrant red shirts with uh, the, the cufflinks and the, and the red coming out the bottom yeah, of the, the blue sleeves. shoes. And then the Dorothy shoes, which Grady Dick told... See, he saw that and he said, i got to take this to a whole other <laughs> level and make it an entire Dorothy ensemble for draft right. night. But it was the red shoes, and he came back with some different red shoes today, but still was clicking his heels with the shout-out to Dorothy. But, yeah, that was him a year ago, if you want to describe it with your play-by-play skills. Yeah, no, I, I mean, you, very aptly. It's, it's a dark blue. You've got kind of the bright red underneath the blazer, which is the dark blue. You've still got a chain. It's not as fancy as the one this year. Then he's got the same dark blue tie. So it's very sharp. But, yeah, I mean, I think this year's taking it to a whole other level. I'll ask you one more question to finish off. This is an ultimate sports radio question, especially in the offseason, as it pertains to Jalen, because we kind of talked about this a few days ago. It's it's a little insane to talk about, but also, again, offseason question. What would Jalen have to do, slash can Jalen do something this year to become the greatest quarterback in Kansas football history? Well... Todd Reason owns every record, right. except for now the single-game passing record. He's already taken that one away. Well, that's tough, too. Like, who is the guy? Because Reese owns the records, but when you're talking about the Heisman candidates, it wasn't Reese. Do you hold that against him compared to Hadel or Janes or, you yeah. know, those guys? If, or, if he made it to the Heisman finalists that go to New York for the first time since David Janes, you, you'd have to put him on the short list. But the thing about Reason is... He won 20 games in a two-year stretch. He had a 12-win season. To me, much like point guards in basketball, you're ultimately judged on W's, wins. And so it would be hard-pressed to surpass Todd Reason's legacy without, you know, a, season, yeah. you know a, a New Year's bowl game type opportunity. Big 12 championship, you know, New Year's bowl, Something yeah. like that. But, uh, but if he makes it to the Heisman Finals, then you can at least have the conversation. Yeah. Okay. He's Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks. I appreciate being gracious with your time, and uh, we'll go get some uh, player breakouts here. We ran out of time talking about Hank Booth, but we're going to talk a lot oh, about right. him tomorrow, yep. uh, 2 p.m. I hope folks will come out and celebrate his life at Plymouth Congregational. Uh, an absolute radio icon, but more than anything, one of the best human beings I've ever had a chance to know. A guy that utilized his platform and position of influence better than anybody I've seen in our industry and taught me what it meant to be entrenched in one's community and be so selfless with his time and his talents. And we'll talk a lot about that tomorrow uh, with the eulogy, but uh, we lost not just the Hall of Fame radio guy, in the KAB Hall of Fame, but the Hall of Fame human being list has Hank Booth very much toward the top. So God bless his family. I'm thinking about all of them, and we'll gather together as a huge Hank Booth family uh, of his radio brethren and his longtime co-workers and celebrate an incredibly well-lived life. Hank I appreciate you for bringing that up. We played your audio from the story about the PA earlier this yeah. week when you were on Joel's show this morning. We had some great stories with David and, and Matt Llewellyn, so I appreciate you saying that about Hank. Yeah, 2 o'clock for his uh, service coming up tomorrow. Uh, he's voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Hank. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. One hour down, two to go. We got a Rich Miller interview, some Brett Yormark audio, and an interview with Josh Neighbors talk around the Big 12 coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson, and we're joined now by a very special guest, Rich Miller, starting linebacker for the KU football team. Uh, so, Rich, this is year three with you for KU football. What, what would you say is the biggest difference from this year versus maybe the last couple of years? 
The linebacker position is really interesting this year with you and Taiwan back, and you had JB Brown to the mix. Obviously, Craig. I don't know. Do you consider Craig a linebacker? The being that hard position. Okay. Super versatile Yeah. So what about the next guys up? You know, because obviously we, we know a lot of your guys' yeah. names from what you've been able to do over the last you know year two years with the program. Who should we be on the lookout for for the next guys up? For sure, like you said, JB Brown. JB Brown is gonna be one of those guys. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, he brings some type of energy, some type of fire to our defense. You know, to our room. He brings that real fire, and he's gonna hit anybody. Um, Cornell Wheeler. Cornell Wheeler is the next one up. I tell him all the time, you know, just make sure you stay on everything because you're the next one up. Like Cornell, he can probably hit better than anybody in the room. So if I ask you hardest hitter in the room, he'd be the answer? Cornell or JB probably. Yeah? Probably Who's Cornell or JB. Best in pass coverage in the room? Craig. You know, Craig, Craig, yeah. Basically in DB. Well, he's fastest, right? Yeah, he's definitely the fastest. Who's the strongest uh, from like a weight perspective, probably you know? Me. Me and JB, probably. Okay. Me and JB, for sure. And you know, like, two different lifts. It depends on what the lift is. From, like, a schematics perspective, is there anything different you guys are doing this year or anything you can add to the playbook this year? Just I think I think there's a lot being added. You know, just allow us to play more versatile and more, you know, free. You know what I'm saying? They, they're making it. they playing to our strengths now. You know, whatever we're good at, that's the position they want to put us in. So, I think they're not only sticking to one script, they're like, okay, who's good at this, who's good at this, let's do this then. So, you know, whatever they feel like we can do the best, that's what they're gonna do. You know, when you look at last year, first half of the season, uh, you guys had some big time games, the Iowa State game, you basically win that game for everybody. And, um, you know, you think back, the, the running defense in the first half of the season was really good. Back half of the season, there were a couple games where maybe it fell off a bit. Do, do you think there were maybe some injuries over the course of the year or fatigue or something? What, what kind of happened over the second half of the year? Um, we, definitely, the first we definitely had some injuries. And um, I think that's the biggest thing, you know, like even we had even the people that was like behind us who played at linebacker, you know, they, they were getting a little injured and everything. And, even a few of the starters, you know, we're getting a little minor injuries that just, you know, make them a step slower. But actually walking over here, me and Kenny talked about how a lot of people want to talk about our defense and, you know, how, how much we want to improve, but no one gives us credit for, you know, what we did the first half of the season. No one could run a ball on us at all. You know, we're we going to get back to that. Yeah, you know, I think it was still a six or seven improvement from the year before, yeah. points per game. I, I just, I think that's always interesting because we don't always get to, from the outside, you don't know what somebody's going through, right? Right? I mean, you know, a lot of players could be playing through something that a lot of guys might not other want to do. So uh, I think that's definitely interesting. Uh, when you look at, at this year, uh, guys in front of you, defensive linemen, who's ready to break out up top? Oh, yeah, we got a lot of guys. You know, we got um, Devin Phillips. He's going to be a good one. Gage Key's going to be a good Ron McGee. Um, we got the DNs. We got uh, Book, Austin Booker. He's going to do really well. We got a lot of guys. Uh, Jeremy Robinson, he's stepping up. You know, he to me, he always had one of the best motors on the team. You know, they just always rotate a lot, but he always had one of the best motors. You know, he forced those fumbles and everything. 
basketball D-line. We got a lot of guys like expect guys like Tommy Dunn, who were a little younger last year, you know, DJ Withers, those guys stepping up. Like the amount of growth they've had over this offseason is just amazing. So it's gonna be we got we gonna have more depth and you know they're gonna be a lot stronger up there. When you look at the back ends, that's a lot of trustworthy guys behind you with Kobe, Mello, Kenny, Marvin, OJ, the list goes on and on and on. How much does that help you guys in the front seven? It's amazing, and I'm not gonna lie. Like just those names you name, like man, we can't forget about Gerb. Gerb, I don't think he allowed a single touchdown last year. Like, I'm sure he lets people know about yeah, that. Yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. But it's like knowing that those guys are gonna do their job is just much better. You know, a lot of people they've been putting in a lot of work. It's, it's gonna show in the next month or so. You know, we even brought in some guys that I think we're gonna they're gonna have some good times out there. Yeah, whenever your football career is over, hopefully that's in 20 years from now after a long NFL career, what do you want to do? Um, part of me wants to be a head coach. Part of me definitely wants to be a head coach. Just give back, give all my players everything that I wish I could have had. You know, everybody isn't perfect, but I know how I would want to be coached by me. You know what I'm saying? So I would like to give that back to those players. Give, I'm, I'm the type of guy who just likes to spread knowledge. Like, I don't just learn things for myself. I learn to give it to other people. And the amount of things I learn is so crazy that I just want to give it to so many more people. So I think that's the best way for me to do it because, you know, football is, it's been my passion since I've been younger. So, you know, that's the only thing not doing with listening to you know, the way I know how to give back most, you know what I'm saying? Just do whatever I can to kids. And, you know, even if it's not a college level, I just want to be able to impact the community, impact the group of kids, you know, teach them everything I know. You're from Detroit. What's the thing you miss most from being away from home? Um, For me, it'd be the Detroit style pizza. I, I love was about that. To say, stuff. Maybe, yeah. maybe it's the food, most definitely, but maybe it's just the activity. You know, it's we in Lawrence, it's a college town, it's more uh it's just more chill, it's more laid back, and there's nothing wrong with that because it, it forced me to be able to learn new things, like, you know, enjoy nature, enjoy things outside of me, you know, instead of just being in my bubble. But back at home, you know, it's always something to do. It's always some people to be around. It's always an event going on. You know, it's just a lot to get into. So, you know, I think that might be the biggest thing I miss most. And, you know, I'll get it again one day. I'm not really stressing on it right now. I'm taking my time. Enjoying my chillness right now, you know, I'm just relaxed. You mentioned Kalen Gervin a few questions ago. Obviously, you're from there. I mean, it's almost like a pipeline's been kind of established in the Detroit area. They've got a couple commits in the class of 2024, which I know you can't talk about specific players, but uh, I guess how did that start? How important is, is you know, like Chris Simpson in all this and in bringing these guys together? And what does this mean to you to, to kind of have a, a local flavor for, for you from your hometown? Um, honestly, see, I don't, I don't think I'm wrong for saying this. So it started back at Buffalo. And we had guys that were older than me who, who they began to bring to Buffalo. And, like, guys like um, Cam, he plays for the Bills right now. You know, Chuck, he had got a shot in the NFL for a second. So they were the ones who really started it. And then me and the guys after that, we just kind of picked it up and, you know, even like that Michigan pop, I'm pretty sure you know KJ Osborne. Yeah, all of them from he's from right down the road, like not too yeah, far. Yeah, Minnesota Viking receiver. Yeah. yeah, he's right down the road. Like they love us in that area, and we just continue to show them that the fire we bring, the passion we put with, you know, nobody else can really match it. So you know, they're going to keep going back, and they've been successful with us. So I don't, we don't, don't fix what's not broken. You know what I'm saying? No one has showed them 
what you know has showed them a reason to not go back to Detroit. So they're going to keep us back to Detroit. We can play football. We're definitely sucked on there. And we probably going to keep being sucked on because we're not Florida or Texas. But don't worry, we still can play with anybody in the country. Yeah, I love that. All right, fun one to finish here. We're in Dallas. Have you had Texas barbecue? No. Okay. Uh, Kansas City barbecue. Big fan, or, or would you prefer like Detroit style pizza or something? Okay. Kansas City barbecue is pretty good. You know, I like the sauces. I like the sauces that they have a lot. But it's just like, um, we in Lawrence. I usually don't want to drive 50 minutes or 45 minutes to get no barbecue. But, you know, when I do get it, it is pretty good. And when they cater to us, it's pretty good. I'm not going to sit here and act like I don't drug. I throw down for sure. And uh, do you have a favorite movie, TV show, or album? Pick one of the three. If you want to give multiple, go for it. Right now, in this moment, right now in this moment, Gunner's album, The Gift and the Curse, is probably one of the hardest albums. All right. Well, I appreciate it, man. I'll let you get to the other guys. Thank you. Thank you. All right, that was Rich Miller, starting linebacker and a uh, leader on the KU defense, to say the very least. Cool catching up with him. We're going to have more interviews throughout the day here from Big 12 Media Days in Arlington and Dallas, Texas. With uh, Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Joined by Josh Neighbors here as uh, Lance Leipold's getting going up on the uh, podium. Producer of 103.7 The Buzz and the host of the Neighborhood Watch podcast. Josh, appreciate you coming on here today. Uh, when you think of Big 12 this year, what's, what's the biggest theme that comes to mind uh, as we're here for Media Days? A, an actual unique season. Right? People use the word unique in sports a lot, Derek. It's unique because I can't think of another time when there have been incoming schools plus schools leaving all in the league coinciding together, right? Four incoming schools with two leaving schools, a year of overlap, uh, and something that I'm not sure we're going to see. I mean, we might see it again here pretty soon, but like it's just very strange at this level to see it. I mean, Oklahoma and Texas are in the same league as Cincinnati and UCF, which is very, very strange, and they only will be for a year. So that's what I think of, number one, and then number two, Texas. It's it's there. It's It's got to be there. Are they year. back? Yeah, are they back? But if, it, if there was ever to be a year, it's this one. It has to be this one for them. Does that make it a little awkward that there's a very real chance Texas and Oklahoma could play for the Big 12 title in the final year? Yes, but I'll tell you this. It's, it would fit the trend, right? So the trend is last three years, six different teams are playing in the Big 12 championship game. So it actually would be pretty natural for Texas to make it this year. OU and Texas, obviously Oklahoma would be a repeat because back in 2020 they were in and they've been in on a bunch. Um, but, you know, if Texas played... K-State or somebody like that in the Big 12 championship game, like, no, it shouldn't be too surprising. And it would make sense because we've had all of this cycling, and it's their turn. Like, with the skill talent they have and the guys that they're returning, the fact they went, you know, to me, normally, winning is not linear. You know, it's not, it's not like, you know, Kansas, uh, I made this analogy, too. If they go 5-7 and seven this year, there's still ways that, like, they could be growing as a program. You know, if they lost a bunch of close games, they'd still be growing as a program depth-wise. But like for them, it's very Texas, very linear, right? Five and seven, eight and five. We might just arrive at ten and two, ten and three this year, and so it makes sense to me. But nationally, the narrative would be Longhorns got the Big Twelve on the way out, and I don't necessarily know if that'd be true. That is the case. I'm not trying to make excuses for the league. It just it would make sense for Texas to win it this year. It feels like there's not a lot of difference between you know team one through nine, for instance. And uh, you go back, that's kind of how it was last year, where it felt like every game, like even West Virginia at the bottom of the league or Iowa State's losing six one score games. Yeah. Um, when you look at the league this year, if you were to kind of tear it out, who would you include in that top tier of the conference? Would it just be Texas, OU, K State? Would you throw in anybody else? 
Do I have to put a certain number of teams in? No, or as many as you want. Top tier is Texas and Kansas State. Okay. That's, that's, a, that's a stop mm-hmm. for me. I would say there's a second tier where I would go Oklahoma based off talent, Texas Tech based off of what they return and performance, and coordinators coming back too. I want to toss Baylor in there. I'll throw Oklahoma State in there because of Mike Gundy. But obviously what you're seeing here is there is a big drop-off. I think I think there's a significant drop-off between the top and, – and TCU definitely has to be in there too. But I think there's a significant drop-off between the top two and everybody else. Um, it might not play out that way. When I look at it, I like – I mean, Kent State and Texas should be back in this building playing for a Big 12 championship game. I really think that both those teams would be incredibly disappointed if that were not the case. There's a couple teams that come to mind when I think of, I just can't figure out, like, are you going to hit kind of your floor or are you going to hit your ceiling? Oklahoma State is one of those. You look at the schedule, it's kind of nice for them to, to set up well. Mike Gundy has the track record, but also... Quarterback situation outside of Spencer Sanders last year was very shaky, right? Um, So they're a team to me where I'm like, I wouldn't be shocked if they went five and seven. Well, I'd be a little shocked if they didn't make a bowl game. I'd be a little wouldn't shocked if they went six and six. I wouldn't be shocked if they went nine and three. Is there any other team in the Big Twelve that that comes to mind for you with that? Oklahoma's the number. Is uh, Oklahoma State is the number one team? They are. You you said that perfectly. I think OU there is a lot of that too, right? I don't I don't expect to. No, I guess subpar is the wrong way to say it, but I don't expect that kind of a year out of Jeff Levy and, and, and Dylan Gabriel again because they were good at times, but there were some really rough, rough moments in between. And Dylan Gabriel is a good quarterback, but we're just not used to seeing Oklahoma without a quarterback who's an NFL guy, which was strange. Obviously, Lincoln Riley's moved on. And then that defense looked a lot more like an Alex Grinch defense than it did what we come to expect from Brent Venables. Now, there is a certain amount of weeding things out and getting a uh, getting a unit to where it needs to be. It Especially takes, with as complicated as his defense. Yes, as complicated, yeah. exactly, as complicated as it can be um, but still you know getting punched them out by Baylor last year like you knew it was coming you just could not stop it that's not what I expected so I, I don't know you know and I think people some people have said that okay, their schedule is pretty good some people don't love their schedule so I think the two Oklahoma schools are incredibly interesting this year and I think Baylor I think Baylor is going to have a high amount of variance there's, there's a high variance opportunity I feel like that's classic Baylor right it's like we, we've seen that ever since Matt Rule it feels like one year six wins and the next year's like 10 or 11 then it's back to six so I guess this would be tilted back up for them uh, when you look at the new schools coming in I feel like UCF pretty consistently being picked to be the best of those four um any worry, I know there's something we've been talking about a lot. I know transitive property is, is a horrible way to, to evaluate things, but Kansas beat Duke last year in a game that it was a close game. Duke had the ball at the end of the game down by eight, but it felt like Kansas was the better team. Duke kind of pasted UCF in the bowl game. Yeah. Any concern about UCF's transition over, and, and who do you think would be, I guess, the second best team of the newcomers? Plenty of concern for those schools. Depth, we saw with Kansas last year, right? I mean, you know, you get towards the end of the season, it's not just about guys being injured out or whatever. Guys are tired, they're banged up, and these playing offense is a lot easier than playing defense, tell you that. And so they, they got run in a bunch of games, and I think that could happen to a lot of these schools because, you know, it's not after you play a tough game against SMU or a tough game against Tulane, rather, you got SMU the next week, and then Navy, and then you kind of build up, maybe do a big game against the UCF. But now it's Oklahoma State. And then, you know, West Virginia, as bad as they were last year, they swept the Oklahoma schools. Like, that's it. I mean, any season, if you told West Virginia they were going to sweep the Oklahoma schools, that's probably, you know, like, oh, it probably went pretty well for us. Mentioned Iowa State, I mean, 
good lord, their offense is horrible to watch, but their defense was basically dominant outside of that TCU game last year. They were fantastic. So I think that's when I, you know, when I think about like those schools, that's what you have to deal with. And off a, a tough week is playing Jalen Daniels in, in Kansas now, right? That's a tough week. Now the defense might not be good enough to score, but like you have to contend with the best running back and quarterback combo in the league. So that's what it's like now. It's gonna get broken up a bit more because obviously you're gonna face them. And, you know, the new schools will face a new school or two, right? But still, it's it's that's the reality of the league now is that there's so many good teams. And there will be a more definite floor, it feels like, but that middle class is such a strong middle class, it feels like. And that's why I think it's been tough for us to try to figure out, you know, the, the over-under win total for Kansas set it, I think it was six and a half at first. Now some sites have it around six. You know, you, you put the blindfold on, you say, oh, a team won six games last year. They return basically 10 starters on offense. They return handful plus on defense. You have the best quarterback in the league in theory with Jalen Daniels. You have the best running back in the league. You got a good coach. You got both your coordinators. Why would they not win more games this year than next? But then you look at the schedule. You have 10 power five teams on there. You have Illinois, who had a fantastic season last year. Every team you play, I, I think I was looking at it, the, the preseason picks in the Big 12, you're playing, it's like six of the top seven in the conference. So I guess that's it for me. It's the schedule um when you diagnose kansas and their expectations this year or win loss total that sort of thing what do you see when you see the jayhawks yeah it's the challenge that is the challenge about all of this is that i love because like you love how much they're retaining but then you look at the you know the vibe is great right we love the vibe but you and i talked about the defense and we hope it's going to get better but even if they got a little like incrementally better it would not it wouldn't I and mean, what does that mean you still have to put this up, classic Texas Tech, right? Right, right. Yeah. You still have to put up a ton of points to win these games. Their defense bowed up some in the beginning of last year, but once I mean, once we got to you know, TCU was Rock'em Sock'em Robots, Baylor and Oklahoma just went hog wild in that game. You know, Oklahoma State had a ton of success as well. I mean, think about all those games. Like it was, uh, I think, yeah, and that was the game. I, I'm more, they had a new quarterback in that game. Yeah, that, that was right. that was uh, Rangel and, and Gundy. So it went a little, bit, went a little yeah. bit better for them in that one. But I look at this year's schedule, like. You know, Missouri State in front of night they should take care of. The Illinois game is a huge game. That's a, if we're talking about a bowl game this year for, for Kansas, that's a massive swing game because once you hit this, this meat of the schedule, at Texas at home is going to be a challenge. You like it or not, I mean, Texas beat the breaks off Kansas last year, right? That was not it. That, that was beat, the one game where it was like they weren't really competitive and you could tell yeah. you could tell there was uh, – Texas was on a mission. And so, you know, that early in the season, like, will Kansas hold up or will the – Real physical advantage that Texas have really be a you know big uh, big swing thing. Was there, is there a watermark? Sorry to cut you off here in the right. first six. Like if they go say three and three, four and two, what That's do you great. think that record would be that they would make you feel like they can get back to a bowl game or maybe even win seven games? Yeah, if you're heading into this backstretch, you know Oklahoma State in the road, because I think that's going to depend on like. A lot of this depends on where these schools are, right. right? Where are these schools mentally, you know, at this point of the season? Yeah, I mean, you know, where's Oklahoma at that point of the season, right? Where's Oklahoma State? Uh, Iowa State. Yeah, I feel like if you're 4-2 there, very good chance they make a bowl game. If they're 4-2 through 6, I, they're making a bowl game in my opinion. I, I think that that, sh- that would – because that would indicate to me there's a level of quality there, especially if, like, you know, if you're beating – couple right. of decent teams along there there's an there's a certain amount of quality because even if you flipped at that point you went two and four the rest of the way you know you're still going to end up at six wins so if they go four and two to start off i think there's a very good chance they're going back bowling again and once again i think anywhere five to seven wins is where they is where they should be i know that the star players they might not there might not be a time anytime soon where they have this many guys who are stars but 
depth, like it would show to me they're continuing to build depth. And I think Lance Leipold knows that's the real challenge. Well, you never know what's going to happen with the portal guys going pro and there will be decisions at the end of the year. But I think there is some at least solace in the idea that Jalen Daniels still a junior, Devin Neal yeah. still a junior. They can return the entire starting receiver court yeah. even next year. Jared Casey still might write that, that maybe 2024 is the year that the schedule opens up. Right. You no know, Texas and Oklahoma who are both on the schedule this year. And, you know, maybe that sort of opens up. Um, last one to kind of finish up here, just around the Big 12, when, when people are going to be tuning in, trying to figure out what they want to watch who are some exciting players that are must watch television that you're like oh i, I love watching this guy play Jalen daniels is number okay. one right he's <laughs> I th- well, I th- how is he not though right yeah. how is he not the number one guy i would say if we're let's, let's go texas jatavian sanders jt sanders is such just uh, just everything you want out of a tight end i'm excited to watch him play uh this season uh, john rice plumley at ucf people are excited for that i mean I want to know because people are hyped about him. Is he? He's not a great, pa- you know, he's not a great passer. It's I was talking with somebody this morning about Robert Griffin the third. You know, one of those situations. I'm not saying he's that good, but you need the combination, right? You can't have one ind- independent of the other. He's a good runner, yes, but like it's the the threat of both is that really what ends up making him such a good player. So he is a guy number one, you know, of course there, and I'm really excited to see. I'm excited to see Will Howard play quarterback. I want to see is he going to be just as in, you know, because if he's in command the way he was last year, it's an NFL guy. Yeah. Like with the arm, with no, the arm. Night and day to what we saw as freshman. A completely different player. Yeah. Completely different player. Everything slowed down for him. Completely in control. So he is definitely a guy there. I'm trying to think on some, some trying to think from folks on the on the defensive end. Oh, the the kid, uh, obviously the Godfather from Cincinnati, right? Uh, my, uh, my uh, Corleone, Corleone Dante, uh, Corleone. Dante yep, defensive lineman. I yep. mean, this guy is supposed to be just just absolute a menace on the defensive line. I'm ready to see. I want to see guys like that who come in and then kind of these quarterbacks on the last on the last run. Alan Bowman, right? Keaton Slovis. You know, I mean, some of these guys might have to find new homes, like a Blake Shapin if things don't go well with them, a Hunter Deckers. You know, th- those are the guys that I'm, I'm pretty excited to see. Um, and I'm trying to think about skill players, you know. Xavier Worthy from Texas, another one. I want to see him get this thing back on track. And then another Texas guy, can't tell I love the team this year. Uh, I love Kelvin Banks from the offensive line. Just a menace. Another one of those guys that is a first, he's a first round guy. And Texas hasn't had many of those on the offensive line in a while. So it's good to see them, looks like, produce another one of those guys this year. Well, Josh, I appreciate the time, man. Where can people find your work? Neighborhood Watch. Uh, you can find it on YouTube, wherever you guys get your podcasts as well. Apple, Stitcher, Spotify. We used to be at Locked On Big 12, so we love always uh, talking yeah, about You might recognize Josh from that. Yes. And a lot of folks said, oh, how do I find you? So that's where you find me. Uh, and also, you guys can find me on Twitter at NWPod365 and at Josh Neighbors underscore. Appreciate it, man. Have a good rest of your media days. Awesome. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. And we're joined now by the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year, which is Jalen Daniels. And uh, I, I would say that Jalen probably has the best-dressed situation here. You've got the awesome suit jacket. You've got the red tie. You've got the Jayhawk l- or little, I don't know, thing on your lapel. Uh, then you've got, I think, what's really standing out to people. It's the chain with, like, the Apple Watch on it. You've got highlights going on during this. Uh, well, what went into this outfit? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, we were blessed with, uh, with that uh, transfer to be able to get a suit from Weavers. Shout out Weavers on that street. Um, you know, they allowed us to be able to pick out some suits for us to be able to come out to the Big 12 meeting today. We were so included, you know, as always. Uh, you know, we have to come out here for the first hand to be able to represent. So, um, you know, I got the gold suit on because, you know, I wanted to be able to get something that shows, you feel me, that, that everybody, all right, that's a gold suit. You know, yeah. That's gold right there. <laughs> Um, but I also wanted to be able to stay stay coordinated with the University of Kansas as well. 
well. So I really wanted to go blue, blue and gold, but I couldn't find a royal blue that I was really liking. That would match her everything. So uh, eventually went with the color red. Had my mom go out, let me go out to uh, Beverly Hills, and um, she did her thug dizzle. She did her little thing. Man. Got me, got me looking right. I love it. Well, uh, I am, I'm a SoCal kid, just like you. Although you, you have other ties as well. Um, so I, I got a couple SoCal versus Midwest questions for you. What are you taking? The beach day or a lake day? Beach for sure. That was an easy answer. Okay, my, my co-host is afraid of the ocean. He's afraid to swim in. Can't be afraid of the ocean, man. If we don't go out too deep, you'll be straight. Don't go out too deep, you'll be straight. Let's see. Uh, would you take a like 90 degree dry heat day or like 90 degrees with humidity? Ninety-day dry heat because you don't really got humidity in LA. Yeah, it's not really too dry. I'm next to the ocean, so we always got ocean breeze. Yes. Ninety degrees. That was the breeze gonna hit every time, every now and then. You gonna be like, all right, it ain't really ninety. I'm good. Pacific time or Central time? I'm gonna go Pacific. I'm always go back. Okay. I want to get as much time as I can get. There's something nice about you know everybody's asleep or it's late at night and it's like you know, nine o'clock there, right? Yeah, it's great. Um, I don't know, Nick. Do you have any any LA versus Midwest questions? Uh, I'm just curious about the LA traffic. To be honest. The LA traffic. Okay, yeah. Well, that one obviously is you take the Midwest traffic, oh, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Man, honestly. For me, when I got to Kansas, like I, I didn't really get the chance to drive in California as much when I was in high school because COVID happened, so I wasn't able to be on the roads as much. So, like, my first time really being on the roads when I go back home from being in Kansas. And, you know, I'll say when I'm looking up Google Maps to see how far away something 15 miles is, it'll be say about 17 <laughs> minutes to get there. I can't go by miles in Los Angeles. I remember one time I was saying you're three miles away, but 22 minutes to get there. I'm like, what? <laughs> just run there, right? I'm like what? <laughs> No, that's great. Uh, so that, that concludes uh, California versus Midwest. Now, as far as the football side this year, um, what's the biggest goal for you? Like, what, what's it going to take to get to where you want to be in, in winning the postseason version of the Big 12 Offense Player of the Year? Yeah, I mean, just being able to perform better than I did last year. I mean, a lot of people are happy with what I was able to do last season, especially at the beginning of the year. But I look back at last season, last season as you know, a lot of stuff that I can get better at. A lot of plays I had left on the field and a lot of mistakes that I also made on the field. If I'm able to go out there and worry about the little the mistakes that I made, the very little mistakes that I made, rather than the big picture ball, these highlights, the plays, and everything like that, I feel like I just love to be able to get better, not only as a player, but also as a man. So I, I actually separated my shoulder. I don't know if that was the exact injury you had. And my right arm actually hangs longer now than my left arm. Do you have a similar issue? <laughs> no, I do not. Okay. So just me. I'm just the mutant. <laughs> I'm just the freak. Um, but what was that like? What was that whole injury like and, and having to sit on the sideline and not be able to get on the field? How tough was that for you? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer and everything happens for a reason. Um, I was put in that position to, to have to leave, have to leave from the sideline. I'm no longer the guy on the field who's able to, you know, keep the energy up and uh, make plays on the field, come back to the sideline and be able to keep that energy up. So I, I, have, to, I have to realize uh, how can I keep on progressing as a person rather than now I, I'm no longer just an athlete. I, I can't go on the field and make these plays. But how can I keep on progressing as a person? And um, the, the main thing that I could that I could lead myself to is becoming a better leader. There is always so much room to improve on as a leader. Nobody is a leader that makes no mistakes at all. So uh, I feel like when I did get hurt, that was my biggest emphasis, being able to talk to Coach Lee about those situations and see what I'm able to do with the other people. 
how far can you throw the football? Um, that's a great question. Actually, I used to think it was like 85. Woo! Yeah, I thought. Big, big. A long way, yeah. I actually did just try uh, throwing the ball this and has it in, you know, like a week and a half ago. And I threw about 75 yards. So, uh, pretty close. Pretty, pretty close, but, you know, that extra 10 yards, you never realize how, how hard that extra 10 yards is to get into you. Alright, so let's let's draw it up. Game winning play to win the Big Twelve Championship. What does that look like in your head? Uh man, first of all, I, I play quarterback, so you already know the ball is in the air. Well I don't know, could it be run, you know? The ball is in alright. Okay. Where are we at? That's a good question. Uh let's put you at the ten yard line. The ball is in the air. Okay. <laughs> the ball is in the air. Outside of the two yard line, the ball is in the air. Three yard line, the ball is still in the air. Okay. okay. So I mean, ball in the ten yard line, uh probably just gonna have some type of curl, some type of post. It's, we're gonna have we're gonna have curls and post and goals and also a check down for us to be able to get through a whole entire progression. Curl routes you're able to see if you're able to get those off the back and then you go from curls, go to the deep balls, go from the deep balls, then go down to the check down. Take your check down, it'll get you at least five. All right, now we got another down to be able to score. There we go. Uh, receiver that's going to break out this year that you love throwing the ball to. Yeah, honestly. I, like, I mean, you got a lot of them. Yeah, we have a lot of receivers. I mean, those wideouts are very eager and hungry to get the ball. No matter no matter what play it is, it can be fourth down, they still want the ball in their hands. So, uh, you know, I, I couldn't give you a receiver that's just going to break out, but I will give you all the three of those top receivers that we had last season are going to be better than they did last year. Okay. So, I feel like that whole entire room is going to have better progression than they did last year. That's saying something because they were they were awesome last year too. Exactly. I've been asking this to all the other players, so I'll ask you as well. Do you have a favorite album, movie, and TV show? Favorite album, uh, used by Drake, uh, 2016. Honestly, 2016 was a very great year. And I feel like that's just for everybody. I don't even know what everybody was doing in 2016. I wish I could go back and, and phase out COVID and be like, ah, don't have to worry about that's that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, if you look back at 2016, I feel like you guys, everybody ran this whole entire building. They're going to give you something that was good in 2016. Uh, you said favorite album, favorite TV, uh, TV show? show and movie. Growing up, it was Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. Okay. I was a big Sweet Life of Zack and Cody guy because I mean, uh, yeah. they, they got more Could you tell the difference between one of them? I, I, yeah, I was okay. definitely able to tell okay. you exactly. But, you know, they, they had motion before I knew what motion was. <laughs> and then, uh, do you have a favorite movie? Favorite movie? I've always said right away, ever since it came out. Uh, Ice Cube, Kevin Hart, that, that movie was hilarious. I mean, um, first of all, Kevin Hart is my favorite comedian, actor. So did you see the new special? On, uh, he had a new special come out. Are you talking about the, the, the movie on Netflix with his daughter? No, 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 he has a new special. You'll have to watch it. Yeah, there you go. A couple things you can check out. Well, J.D., I appreciate the time, man. Good luck on the season. All right, now, thank you. All right, that was Jalen Daniels, Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year, joining us here live from Big 12 Media Days in Arlington, Texas, at AT&T Stadium, the home of the Dallas Cowboys. We're going to take a time out. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN, depending on it. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think there'd be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter 
rcst1320 am at gmail.com that's rcst1320 am at gmail.com and if you want to listen live three to six p.m central time monday through friday on klwn klwn.com and the klwn app have a good rest of the day and see you next podcast